What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the Hyperfast Wealth Show, I sat down with a successful real estate investor who has bought dozens and dozens of rental homes, built up a passive income portfolio that allowed him to quit his job at age 37. And now he spends his time when he's not playing with his kids and family, teaching other people how to do the same thing through his courses and his podcast called Master Passive Income. Welcome to the show, Dustin Heiner. Welcome to the show today, Dustin. How are you doing? I'm well, Dan. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate bringing me on. I love talking about real estate, so I'm, I'm really pumped to do this. Yeah, I am too. Um, and I know you've, you've built up uh, an amazing passive income. Uh, I almost want to say like lifestyle, right? I see like <laughs> yeah. Pictures of the family in the back, uh, things that you do for fun. And I think that's really the importance of what we're talking about today is is not just the money that's that's good but just getting your time back because that's really a resource that you know we only have so much of it and um before we get into that why don't you tell people a little about about who you are and your journey to where you uh are right now yeah so dustin heiner with master passive income that's the company that I created that I teach people how to invest in real estate, but it started with me literally not wanting to work for somebody else. And so I've always been entrepreneurial. And so I've started many businesses, many companies like a graphic and website design company, a skateboard manufacturing business, a convenience store, a pizzeria. And so I've always been like, I want to get out of working for somebody else. I was always trying to create businesses. And then I realized that passive income is by far the best way to make money instead of earning money, you know, earning money, you work one hour and you get paid for that one hour, hour, whatever your boss agreed to pay you for. And so with that, you only get paid one time. I thought, man, isn't there a better way, obviously passive income to buy one rental property. That's what I do. I buy real estate. I have 30 plus properties. Now I literally travel the world with my family. Don't have to do anything. It's just a blessing. Now I can just hang out with great people like you, dad, and do podcasts. But i that's one thing I realized is that if I buy one rental property that makes me $250 a month, if I multiply that to 10 properties, $2,500 a month, 20 properties, that's $5,000 a month. And I saw, man, if I just keep buying property after property, I could eventually not work for somebody else. But Dan, I got to tell you this quick story about how I actually transferred my mindset. Like I shifted my mindset from being an employee to actually being an investor. So uh, I've been, I had, like I said, many businesses, and they were all businesses. They were okay. They weren't great, but they weren't passive. And I bought one rental property. With that one rental property, I made like $350 or $380 or something like that in the first month. And I just thought, my goodness, this is amazing. How do I buy any every, you know, more and more? And from that point forward, I didn't really do a, a ton of it. I just kept doing my other businesses. And all the while, I'm married. My wife has kid after kid. Eventually, we're blessed to have four kids. But I got to tell you that... I was working a corporate job, well, corporate. I was working for the county government, a county in, in Fresno, California. Um, and I was working for the department there doing technical work or IT work. And I 
had been working there for 10, 15 years, grinding it out, living just over broke. That's why I think the acronym job mm. is you're living just <laughs> over broke. And so I'm working there, making a little bit of money just to feed our family. My wife goes, uh, she actually has our fourth kid. So we're blessed to have four kids. I'm working there 10, 15 years, plenty in seniority. Everything's going great. And I, my wife has our fourth kid. And I go on to paternity leave. That's where the dad stays home with the mom for a week or two to bond with the baby, help with the mom and everything like that. And so from there, I come back to work. And the week I'm back to work, everything's going fine. And I get a call from my boss's, boss's, boss's secretary, like the top dog. And she says, Dustin, would you please come to the boss's office? And I said, sure. And then I hung up the phone. And then I sat there and I paused for a second. I thought to myself, why would they be calling me to the office right now? This is not normal. And then I started thinking back to before I went on paternity leave. There was a, like maybe a month or two before some rumors or rumblings that there could potentially be layoffs because the department was running out of money or didn't have the money. There's cutbacks and everything. I said, no, that, I immediately dismissed that. That can't be me. I have so much seniority. There's plenty of other people that would lay off before me. I'm totally fine. So I get up and I walk down the hallway to my boss's office. Now, this hallway isn't very long. But every single step that I take, it feels like the, the hallway gets longer and longer and longer. And my feet feel like they're lead bricks. Like I could barely move them because I start to think about my family, my fourth kid that my wife just had and the rest of my kids, obviously. And if I get laid off, what's going to happen to them? And as I'm walking, the weight of the world keeps getting on my shoulders. And I turn the corner to my boss's area, his office, and his door is closed. And his secretary looks at me. She's really sweet, really nice lady. And sheepishly, she looks at me and says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? And I say, sure. And I sit down and she's consoling me with her eyes. Very, very patient, very, very kind because she knows everything that's going on. I know nothing about what's going on. And as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about my four kids. And I'm also realizing that all these years of working this, I guess, nine to five corporate, trying to get, build a career here, if I get laid off right now, all that is literally for a waste, like it's all for nothing. And then I started thinking about, oh my goodness, if I lose my job, I'm not going to be able to provide food for my family, put a roof over their heads. And so with that, I started thinking, what does that make me as a father? Am I a failure as a father? Mm -hmm. Am I a failure as a husband, as a man providing for his family? And so I'm sitting there, my forehead gets all sweaty and my hands get all clammy because I just get so nervous and worried about everything. And the door to my boss's office opens up. And out walks a lady with a piece of paper in her hand, one of my coworkers, and she's noticeably distraught, noticeably upset. She's not necessarily crying, but you can tell her world has absolutely been rocked. And she walks by, by me, and my boss brings me into his office. And I actually get laid off. And remember, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government, but I did. And so I get my layoff notice and I walk back to my desk and I sit down and I have two weeks and two more weeks before I actually get laid off. I sit at my desk and I realize two things. The first thing I realize is I need to get another job. I need to figure out a way to make money to provide for my family. All my businesses weren't, weren't making money. In fact, I probably closed them down by this time because I was like, okay, I got a career now. And so I need to get another job. So I'm really, really blessed, praise the Lord, to be able to find another job in the same county, the sheriff's department. They were looking for somebody and I was able just to transfer over. So really, really blessed there to be able to provide for my family. The second thing that I realized was that I need to make sure I never, ever let this happen to me again. 
and not give anybody the power over me to be able to make it so that I could not feed my family. So right then and there, I realized that my value is not in my job. And I would always say, if anybody ever asked me, hey, Dustin, what is it that you do? I would always say, I work for the county. I do technology or you know, IT work for the county. Basically, they're asking me and asking you, if you ever get asked this, what value do you put on yourself? And I would answer by my job. And then I realized, no longer will I ever tell anybody, if they ask me what I do, that I work for my job. Now, I'm going to tell everybody, I am an investor. Because I had one property, I knew how awesome it was. I need to make sure that I do this, because this is a way that's going to change my life. And so every time I got that question, ever again, I would say, I am an investor. Now, it may so happen that uh, my 100% of my money comes from my job, but that's my part-time job. My full-time value is in being an investor. And I'll round out the story to share. I went to work for the sheriff's department, kept buying property after property, year after year, buying building, just building and building, buying more properties. After 30 plus properties, I realized, my goodness, I don't need to work anymore. Like I'm, I'm making $75,000 a year here, but I'm losing money working here. If I work for myself, I get paid for the value that I bring. And so I said, it's time to quit. And I'll quickly round out to say, everybody listening to this and watching this on YouTube, if you actually realize the value that you have is so much more than anybody can ever pay you, you will actually become and be paid for what your value is. And I'll tell you the reason why you're worth more than anybody can ever pay you. Number one, your boss is only paying you enough to keep you working without quitting, but then at the same time, not so much that's taking money out of their pocket. So your value is worth so much more. And I'll tell you this, Dan, if you remember that story where I, I walked in my boss's office, walking out the hallway, it was a horrible walk. I worked in downtown Fresno, and it's about a mile and a half walk to get to my car. The day I walked into my boss's office, gave him my two weeks notice and said, boss, I'm done. He says, Dustin, what are you going to do? Like, this is just crazy. I said, well, I have real estate. I literally don't need to do anything. And that last walk that I took to my car, even though it was a mile and a half because I didn't want to pay for parking, mile and a half walk, I've done it a thousand times. I felt like I was walking on clouds. It was the best walk I've ever taken. I look back and said, I will never, ever have a job again. I was 37 years old. I said, I'm never going to have a need a job again. So everybody listen to this. You need to realize your value is so much more than anybody could ever pay you. How many properties did you have at, at that time? Or, or how long did it take to, um, to, in, you know, to build up to that? So I had 19 properties when I decided it was time to quit. And I was planning my right. entire you know, retirement. So I had 19 properties and I knew I want to keep buying properties after that. So here's a actually a really funny thing. So I had 19 properties, probably making me a profit, uh, like you know, net profit, not just gross, but net profit of like maybe six to $7,000 a month, which most likely everybody can quit their job with six to $7,000 a month. And so from there, I was doing a refinance, a commercial bundle loan over four different properties. And so I had to stay working another four or five months, even though I didn't want to, because banks don't like it when you quit your job in the middle of a refinance. So I got that done, refinance, bought more properties. Now I have 30 plus properties. And so, yeah, literally all I do is just have fun talking to great people like you. What, uh, what, what would you say to people out there that, you know, are in that job and, they want to start building what, what you've created, but they, they don't have money. How do they, how do they get there? How do you buy that, that first, that first deal, uh, especially, especially if you're not starting with much? Yeah. So when I first bought my first property, my wife and I had very, very little money. In fact, I didn't have any money, like literally no money. I, was, I wasn't taught to save. I was told, taught to not go in debt, which was good. 
but I was never taught to save. So I was just living just over broke. And so my wife, she had a little bit of money. When we got married, she brought over like, I don't know, 10 or $15,000. And I eventually used that money to buy our first property. So I didn't start with very, very much. I know $15,000 is a lot of money. So we need to realize that. Now, if somebody were to come to me, actually, I, I get this all the time. Hey, Dustin, I don't have any money and I want to start investing. I said, well, this is what I tell them. In fact, I'll, before I tell them, before I tell you what I tell them, this is what's interesting. I can actually teach anybody how to invest in real estate. I could literally show them step-by-step step and get them to do it. I've done this hundreds of times with hundreds of students. I can do that. But what I can't do is get them over that mental shift in their brain where I, remember mm -hmm. me, I made the decision. My value is I am an investor. I made, I, I'm saying, I'm going to do this. That shift in people's brain, that's the very, very first step because it's been done hundreds of thousands of times, not just by me or my students, but like everybody, like there's so many people that invest in real estate. So it's not something that's absolutely crazy. And so it's been done before. So you realize this is the first step, realize that you can do it. The second thing after you realize that you can do it is getting the education or getting the understanding of how to do it right. Because I'll tell you, there's so many people that have lost, like in 2008, where the market crashed, they, there are so many people, like countless stories of people going bankrupt who said they, in quote unquote, invested in real estate. I started buying properties in 2006, 2007, kept buying property, 2008, buying properties, 2009. Oh my goodness. My, you know, the values crashed. I didn't care because I'm going to hold on these properties for a very long time. If not given to my kids, it's generational wealth I'm creating at the same time. I make passive income every single month from every single property. Now, from so first, making the decision that you can do it, that you will do it. Second one is getting education and doing the right way. It could be listening to podcasts or reading books, anything like that to understand the right way to do it. The next step, here's a big suggestion. I know some people might say, well, hey, everybody knows this. Like, yeah, everybody knows this, but nobody does it. There's two things. Number one, increase your income. And number two, cut your expenses. You need more money to start saving, you need to basically save money to invest. And people might say, well, Dustin, can't we just buy with low and no money down? I'm like, yes, you can, but it is so hard if you've never, ever done it before. I'll give you an example. Some, I get a lot of people coming to me and they'll, they'll say, hey, Dustin, you're an investor. You have money. I want to get started investing in real estate. How about you lend me your own personal money so that I can start investing? I'm like, well, what experience do you have? Uh, nothing. Well, what education do you have? Um, nothing. Well, like, what's the proof to me that number one, you're not going to lose my money. And number two, you're going to make me money. So that's the thing. We need education, but we first know how to do it. Then we need education. Then we also need to have a proven track record that we can do it. So cut your expenses. Stop going into debt. This is something I had to do. Stop going into debt, pay off my expenses, but increase your income. Could be getting another job, asking for a raise, whatever it might be, side hustling, selling things on eBay, all the, there's loads of ways to do it. So you can save a little bit of money. I'll give you an example of the total dollar amount for me and my students. I don't take any one-on-one -on -one coaching students who have less than $10,000 to invest. Once they have $10,000 to invest, we can actually do something with that. We can go, it doesn't matter if they live in California, we can invest in Ohio or Texas or the Midwest or anywhere else with that $10,000. It's absolutely possible, but that's the bare minimum. So cut your expenses, increase your income, save to $10,000. Hey, that's a great thought, but let me get to this question that I just got from one of my followers uh, right to my phone. Uh, by the way, did you know you can text me at 703 
215-1684. This is a new thing I've rolled out. I'm letting my listeners and uh, people that subscribe and follow me on social media connect with me directly to my phone on text message. It's me answering them and, and responding. You can ask me anything about real estate, investing, business, whatever. Just text 703-215-1684 and I will respond to you. From there, this is the biggest thing, Dan, that I always try to reiterate to all, everybody who listens to me. We need to build the business first. Now, in real estate investing, you're going to, get to hear people tell you, hey, go ahead and find a property, run the numbers, which means find your expenses, find your income, make sure you're going to make, I don't know, 50 to $100 a month in passive income. Then you find somebody to fix up the property. Then you find somebody to manage the property. Then you find somebody to rent out the property. It's backwards, in my opinion, or just about backwards. What we do here at Master Passive Income, why I teach my students, what I do with my own business is... I don't fly anywhere. I invest in Ohio, Texas, and Arizona. I have students investing all over the country. We don't fly to these places. What we do is we build the business first. And let me give you a quick example of what building the business first looks like. If you're going to start a convenience store, you know, everybody knows what a convenience store is. Basically, candy bars, sodas, and all that sort of stuff. Well, you're not going to lease a space, open the doors, and put a box of candy bars in there. No, you wouldn't do that. If, if, in fact, if you did it, you would lose money, in fact, lose business or be out of business in two seconds. No, what you would do instead is you'd build the business first. You get the gondolas, the shelving units, that's what they're called, the countertops, the cold storage, the fountain machines, bank accounts, cash registers, employees. You're going to get everything set up in the business first before you buy any inventory. Same thing with your real estate investing business. You're going to find the property managers, the contractors, realtors, wholesalers, plumbers, roofers, inspectors, insurance agents. You're going to do all this first before you buy any inventory. Your property that you buy is not your business. Your property is a piece of inventory that you put into your business once you have the business built. So but quickly go over it one more time. So number one, realize that you can do it. Second thing is get educations. Third thing is cut your expenses, increase your income. Fourth thing is build the business first, because when you build the business first, you're going to have experts who are literally there on the ground, realtors, property managers, like Zillow is not the expert. They just take a bunch of data and put it together for you. You know, any database or any website, that's not the expert. The person on the ground, like the realtor on the ground, finding the properties, the property manager on the ground, making sure that they're going to be good properties for you to buy. They're the experts. And that's the step, step-by-step -step process to then buy your first property. Where, uh, where are you investing with, with 10,000 or, or, or your students? Like how, let's, let's just walk through like an example of, of one of those, just so people listening can get an idea of what is possible if, if they can, you know, learn to save, accumulate $10,000. Absolutely. So if you think of the West coast and East coast, like the coastal lines, that's going to be very, very hard to do. In fact, anywhere in California, you're probably going to be very, very hard to do that. So with $10,000, what my students do is we look, actually, the Midwest is very terrific area for investing. And even in the Carolinas and in Florida, like there's some really, really good homes that people want to live in. I'll give you an example. I had one student. I want to say, I'll give you a specific city. It was Akron, Ohio. She literally started, like, she just had barely over $10,000 to invest and in Akron, Ohio, I helped her to find a decent property. She used the $10,000 as a down payment. I think the house itself was probably like about $45,000 total. And it rents for maybe 700. And so that mm -hmm. passive income, she's making 
She's using that down payment. Just, to let, buy me, the house. let me just stop you there real quick. Just yeah, go so ahead. People listening, because you kind of went over those numbers uh, quickly. But if if you're bringing in $700 a month in, in rental income on a $45,000 purchase, uh, that's, that's a really good mark. Like a lot of people talk about the 1% rule, right? That you, you want 1% of your purchase price in, in your monthly gross income. Um, you know, 1% would be 450. And, you know, on the East coast, West coast, it's really hard to find a deal that, that gets you very hard. Right. And you're at, you're almost at 2% on that number. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. Anyway, I'll, so, I'll, I'll let you get back to, to it. To it. But. No, I, I, yeah. Anytime I get a little, because this is so exciting to me. I just, it's so great sharing this stuff. If I skip over something, please let me know. And so, what we did was, so I think the house was originally because I was coaching her one on one. They were probably originally asking close to like seventy thousand. So it's getting closer to that one percent rule. But I know the area as well as we have experts in the area that can give us understanding on how to negotiate. So we knew how much it's going to cost to fix up. We knew um, what the actual value was. And we knew as an investor, how much we need to make sure we're making passive income. So we offered lower and eventually settled like 45, 48,000, something like that. And we capture that equity as an investor. We don't pay full price market price. No, we buy it. So we make passive income number one, but we also capture equity. So if it's worth 70,000, she literally pocketed, what's that? Um, uh, $25,000 in equity that she could then cash out and refinance, which whole nother story, like we can get into that later. But what we did was we took that money as a down payment. Now the a trick was to find a bank that would lend that low. That's hard. She, as an investor, figured out how to do that. It's a problem solving thing. There's plenty of mortgages, mortgage brokers out there, plenty of banks out there. She called uh, mortgage broker after mortgage broker, bank after bank, eventually found somebody that the minimum was $30,000 that is the uh, minimum amount to invest. So it was perfect for her. Utilize that, bought the property, everything worked out really, really well. Now, here's the thing that as, if you're investing in real estate, because um, Dan, you talked about the 1% rule. What it really comes down to in this business is addition and subtraction. And if you want to quit your job, it's a little bit of multiplication. Very, very simple. I'll give you an example. So what you do, and I love the best about this business, your expenses are usually fairly fixed. They're fairly fixed, which means they don't go up. They don't skyrocket it. They don't drop. You don't have to buy inventory, all that sort of stuff. Your property is in your inventory. Once you buy it one time, your expenses are very similar. So you add up all your expenses, taxes, insurance, property manager, rehab, vacancy factor, capital expenses, all that's, you know, big repairs. You add all those up and that is your expenses. And then you don't go to Zillow and say, Zillow, how much can I rent it for? No, no, you don't do that. You go to your property manager, your property manager, you say, property manager, here's this house I want to buy. How much can I rent it for? Let me give you an example. Like this one house, let's say, I, I believe it was somewhere around $450 a month that was total, maybe closer to 500. That was the total amount of expenses from her mortgage, taxes, insurance, property manager. And then it was renting for like seven or 750 a month. That's So you add up all your expenses, figure out how much your rent is. And that difference there is your passive income. And then what also, so you add up and you subtract. And then when I said a little bit of multiplication, if you want to quit your job, if you want to have, you know, the lifestyle, like you talked about at the beginning, Dan, where you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, you just multiply that out. So one property making you $250 at a minimum. I have some properties making me 800 because over the years that rent just keeps going up and I bought them better. So the rents were higher. So if you, at the minimum, bought one house that made you $250 a month in passive income, 10 properties, or sorry, before I get there. In one year, that's $3,000 extra income 
going into your pocket without you working. $250 is $300 a month. Oh, sorry, a year. Sorry, $3,000 a year. If you had 10 properties, that's $2,500 a month in passive income. That's $30,000 a year without working. 20 properties is $5,000 a month. That's $60,000 a year without working. I almost guarantee just about every single person, once you get to $5,000 a month, you'll be like, man, that's looking like I could quit my job right about now. And so that's the multiplication. You just multiply it out and then you buy property after property. Remember, this is a business. We have our business and the inventory is our properties that we put into the business. That's how we can scale it so fast is we just figure out how to fund it, getting financing for it. And we already have people that are managing the properties, fixing up the properties. They already have a way to get tenants in there. So that's the best way to do it. That's how my students start investing in real estate. How do they, how do they manage multiple properties in multiple states, you know, different areas? Um, I'm sure you probably have to work with banks in different areas, man, property managers in different areas. Like how do they, how do they, because I, I love the idea of doing this from home, you know, you, you, you can, if you live on the West Coast or East Coast, you can do it in areas where it's cheaper to start. Maybe the, the numbers look better. Um, so I think a lot of these East Coast, West Coast cities, you can't get these 1% deals. Um, and I'm not saying you should really go by that that rule. Um, it's just, it it's just a guide. It's just a guide. Yeah, and I don't. I don't know when it was created, uh, but I know it's kind of a thumb rule people use. But does it take into account that you can get mortgages for like three percent now? You know, because it's it's different. Um, so you got to so, get back to the the addition subtraction, like you said. That's what that's what yeah. really matters the most. But uh, how yeah, how do you guys we, manage these in so many areas? So I'll quickly jump into the one percent rule, yeah. and then get to how to manage him. So the one percent rule is literally just a guide. When I'm looking through the MLS, when I'm looking through Redfin or Zillow or anything like that, I look how much the purchase price is, how much they're asking for, and I look how much I could rent it for. If it's dramatically like where I'm buying it for three hundred thousand dollars, but I can only rent it for a thousand dollars, I'm like that's literally nowhere near the one percent rule. Right. It'd be three thousand dollars for the one. So. I don't even waste my time. So it's a time saver is one thing, but then you do all your own due diligence to make sure you count all the numbers. Okay. So that's, that's talking about the 1% rule. So it's just a guide to help us to know if we want to look further into a property. Now talking about managing all the properties that I have. Now, here's the great thing. I don't work 30 minutes, not a day. I don't work 30 minutes a week. I don't even, I barely work maybe 30 minutes a month on all of my properties. And that is because I have my property managers. They send me the statements. I make sure everything looks good. And then I put them away and I get back to play with my kids and do whatever I want. Now, I did do a lot of work setting up the business. Now, don't get me wrong. That's a lot of work setting that up. That's actually the hardest part is getting everything set up. But by the time everything's set up and I have my first property, that work is literally done. I did that one time and all the people are working in the business. Now, here's the great thing that even though I have done that work one time, I've also given them business rules. So I already tell them, this is what you, I'll give you a quick example. So a property manager, my property managers know exactly how to manage my properties. Now they may manage other properties differently, but I sell them for my properties. Give you an example. The rent is due on the first. It's late after the third. On the fourth, you give them a three day notice. And this is for every single property. I don't care who or what. This is literally the process. You do X, Y, and Z. A fourth, you give them a three day notice. Once that three day notice is up, you literally start the eviction process. It's just like clockwork. And I'll give you an example like- Hey, hold that thought for a minute. Do you wanna take your real estate 
business to the next level? If you do, there's no reason to go it alone. Learn from people who've been where you want to go. Carrie and I have sold billions of dollars in real estate. We've netted over seven figures for seven years in a row now, and we wanna see if you would be a good fit to work for us. We don't work with a lot of people, but we wanna give you a chance to get on a free strategy call to see if we can help you get your business to the next level. Go to hyperfastcoach.com and apply for your discovery session today. Again, that's hyperfastcoach.com. We're running a business. That's what we're doing. Same thing if you do this with your mortgage. If you buy a house and you don't make your payment to your mortgage company, they literally have, okay, then this starts if you don't make pay, uh, make your payment. Then this starts if you don't pay the late fee and pay the payment. And then this starts. And then eventually, it's literally a foreclosure. It's a clockwork. Same thing when you run your business. We give all of our everybody in our business the rules and the boundaries to play in. And they run with that. So we have all that set up. Now, here's also one really super amazing thing about all this. People might say, well, Dustin, how do we make sure that we can pay for a property manager? Like, that's a lot of money. Well, mm -hmm. what's great is I don't pay my taxes. I don't pay my insurance. I don't pay my mortgage. I don't pay my property manager. I don't pay for, you know, clogging, unclogging the toilet. I don't pay for any of that stuff. My tenants pay for every bit of that because I calculate everything out of the number in the numbers before I buy the property. So I know without a shadow of a doubt what the expenses are going to be and what the income is going to be. So it so happens that obviously the tenants pay me the money, meaning it goes in my pocket and I pay it out, but it's not me working to then pay somebody else. All the tenants do that. So in automating the business and setting up the business first, you are absolutely going to be able to literally just have an automatic business. It's absolutely amazing. Wow. Um, yeah, I I, um, I I agree with everything you know you said. I think I I I think it really comes down to getting over the mindset shift. Um, once once you get past that, you know, all all these other details are, are I don't want to say simple to figure out, but but they're, they're well, they're, actually, they're Dan, definitely things you're you not can far do. off. Yeah. yeah, you're not far off. I mean, this isn't easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But it's literally simple. It's literally step by step. Like, if you just do X, Y, and Z, build the business first, find the right people, hire the right people. That's a big key. My first property manager, because I didn't know what I was doing back in 2006, was started stealing from me within like four to six months. And so I did it wrong. Now I've since figured out how to hire the right people. But it's simple. There's a step one, two, three, four, five, all, all the way to the end to where you get your first property. Once that's done, it's done. It's working for you. Like I said, it's not easy, but it's simple. Where where are you looking now for properties? Where are you finding good deals? And and you know, with everything that's happened over the last year and a half, uh, where where do you think this is going to go in the future for you? Yeah. So the Midwest is great. I'll say it again. Midwest is great. Uh, Indiana, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee, like these are really, really good areas. But I will say this. I never invest for appreciation. I don't care about appreciation. Now it's great if I, if, and when I sell a property, that's, that's again, if I sell the property, usually I'll just give it to my kids. And so what I'm looking at now, when I, the properties I bought in 2006, I bought it when the market was going up 2006, 2007, going up, up, up. And then the market crashed. Well, my values dropped, but I didn't care. I was literally making $250 a month in passive income from every single one of those properties. And now from 2006, some of those properties are double 
the rent from when I first bought it, bought it. And the value is now double what it was when I bought it, even though it went down, now it's back up and now it's just tremendously higher. And so when I invest, I look solely for passive income, a minimum. Again, I'll give you a big reason why it's a minimum of $250. If you only get $100 a month in passive income, in one year, that's only $1,200. Now, if you're living on that, that's, that's, that's a good amount of money. But what if you have one furnace break and it was more than how, you have, how much you have saved up for repairs? Well, that's going to eat into your passive income of $1,200. How are you going to feed your family if all that's taken up? Like one furnace could be $1,500 you know, at worst. And so that's going to eat up all your passive income. But with $250 as your minimum, remember, this is your minimum, we make $3,000 a month in passive income. That's a huge buffer if we have any bad things to also be able to pay for our family and expenses and everything. Well, and then if, if that's what you go in at, right, the, at those levels, like, what, what will it be in five years, 10 years, right? Like, because the rents are going to keep going up, but most of your costs are fixed. A hundred percent. Yes. Where, where are you on like per door on, on a property that's, you know, five or 10 years old, or even some of those first ones, how, what are those at? Are you talking about rent, rent amounts? Just on, on, on the cash flow per, per, you know, if it's a, Oh, got it, got it, got it. I, like if, you, if you're buying them at two fifty, right. What, what are, what are your older properties bringing in? Oh, so I have some that are like close to $800 a month in passive income yeah. because I've owned them for so long. Just, Time after over time, it just eventually goes up $50 a year, maybe $25 a year. But like oh, after 15 years, it just literally goes up and up and up. And just recently, like the last year, rents have skyrocketed like, like 15, 20%. I'm like, well, well, thank you. That's just great. Just more, more uh, rent coming out of my pocket. And so this is the long game. So this is a get wealthy plan. It's not a get rich quick scheme or anything like that. It's a plan to be wealthy and like I said, this is generational wealth. I have 30 plus properties. I literally will give to my kids. Like there's no reason to sell it. I make more and more money. I might as well just give them my kids. And I'm teaching them, same thing I'm teaching everybody here, exactly how to do the same business so that they will be set up just like I am. Yeah, amazing. No, I, I love every aspect of it from creating financial freedom and, and freedom of time for yourself. And then passing those values and those assets on, uh, to your family, you know, cause you're not just changing your life. You're, you could change hundreds, uh, or more. Yes. So, uh, an amazing story, an amazing plan that anyone can do before we wrap up. I always like to end with a hyper fast round. If you're ready for some rapid fire questions and answers, let's do this. I am. All right. What's your biggest piece of advice to a new real estate investor? The biggest piece of advice is it has to be, and I already covered this, build the business first. I have mm. bought lots of properties off of people who did this the wrong way. They didn't build the business first. They just followed other people and said, oh, find a property, run the numbers, make sure you're making a little bit of money in passive income, and then, and then, and then. We don't do that. In fact, I buy lots of properties off people who did it wrong. Eventually, they're saying, just take this property. Take it, take it. I don't want it. I'm so tired of this because they didn't do it right. What's the biggest mistake that you see successful real estate investors making? Well, uh, if it's a mistake, uh, it's kind of like a, a, a dichotomy between the two, because if you're successful, you're not making very many mistakes. And like in my business, I make very little mistakes because I know the step-by-step -step process. I know how simple it is and I follow that. But if, so if they make this mistake, they're not gonna be successful because right now people can't actually do this just like in 2006. A lot of people are buying 
for appreciation. They're saying the property's gone up 20% this year. It's going to probably go up 20% again next year. No, no, no. You have no clue what's going to happen. Who cares about the appreciation because we can invest for a passive income. And so if they're successful now, just like in 2009, they're like, man, I had millions and millions of dollars in assets. I had this, this, and this. But in fact, all it was on paper loans and it crashed and they literally went bankrupt. They were done because they did not have any money and passive income coming in. I personally have rectified that. So I only go for passive income. So don't invest for appreciation. What's the biggest uh, challenge you've had in business and how did you overcome it or what did you learn from it? The biggest challenge is, is hiring, I guess, hiring or being okay with having other people do the work. Like my property managers, like I said, they literally do the work for me. My realtors, my wholesalers, inspectors, they do the work for me. And so being an entrepreneur, I'm, I guess I have a tendency to like control. I want it to be the way I want it to be because that's my personality. And entrepreneurs are a lot like that. Same thing with investors. We want to protect our money. But as soon as we start allowing other people and hiring the right ones, that's a big key, big caveat, getting the right people working in the business. When we have that, then we have other people working. We're blessing them with good jobs, good paying jobs, and making sure that they could feed their families because they enjoy doing this. And I reap the benefits of not doing any work. What's the uh, the biggest piece of advice you would give to a seasoned or experienced real estate investor? Scale your business. And when, with scaling, you want to obviously go with passive income, like everything, like when you're scaling the business, everything stays the same. You don't change anything. You don't say, well, I'm going to make less money per door or anything like that. You scale the business, do an exact same thing, but you scale it with leverage or utilizing other people's money. Now, it's not just with a bank and a mortgage. That's just one way. There's private money. There's signature loans. I've even used a credit card. Now, this is a bad strategy, but I used a credit card to buy a house that was making me a lot of money. So I was like, hey, this works out because I knew my business. So what you want to do is start scaling your business wisely, still following all the principles, but scale your business to buy the next property and then save every single penny that your properties make and put it like a snowball. You know, your first property, you're making, I don't know, $250 a month in passive income, maybe a little giver, uh, hopefully the more than that, but that's a little snowball rolling down the hill. Every, next property, like you save that money and it just gets a little bigger. Next property you buy, you use this money to buy that property. Then you have that much more money coming in. Eventually, once you have 20 plus properties, you literally have $60,000 a year that you could be putting towards properties. So scale the business, put every bit of money back into business. Eventually you're gonna have so many properties. You're like, oh man, I just have lots of money coming in. I don't need to work anymore. All right. Uh, last question here. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? I see myself probably still in Arizona, hanging out with my kids, uh, Lord willing, having grandkids by then. My, my oldest is 13. Well, I don't want to even think about that. But um, <laughs> I, I like Monopoly, starting small, working up to where you're buying apartment complexes. So um, I've, I've already bought multi-families. Uh, multi so eventually be getting to like 50, 60, 100 unit apartment complexes. But I still love my single family, my four units and stuff like that. So love all that. So it eventually be into getting syndication. But also because I'm an investor too, I also realize that my money is valuable too. I can give this to somebody who knows what they're doing with this 200 apartment complex, 200 unit apartment complex, give it to them, have them run it. Obviously I'd make sure everything's going right, uh, you know, overseeing it in a sense where I'm watching everything and I'm, I'm accounting for everything, but letting that my money work for me. So that's probably where I see myself in 10 years. All right, Dustin, this has been amazing. Uh, I, I love your story and, 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 and what you're teaching to other people. 
if our listeners want to learn more about what you do or your coaching, or they just want to connect with you, what are some of the best ways they can do that? Absolutely. Hey, so I have a free course that I can give to everybody. Would you mind if I share that with everybody? Yeah, go ahead. Awesome. So I have a, a, a real estate investing course, absolutely for free. I want to give it to you because I just want to show people that it's absolutely possible. If you go to master passive income, master passive income.com forward slash free course, it's all one word forward slash free course. I will give you my real estate investing course, showing you how to find an area, brand new area of the country to invest anywhere, uh, build the business first, scale the business, make sure you're making enough money every single month, be able to quit your job. You can even text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll give that to you. But I also have my podcast, Master Passive Income Podcast, where I, it's literally just me. I really just teach real estate because like I said, I can teach anybody how to do it. But I need to have this podcast to help people realize that they can do it. That they So Master Passive Income Podcast. I have my YouTube channel where I just have loads and loads of videos teaching how to do this stuff. So you can find me all those ways. But get my real estate investing course. That's the best way to see if that's this is where, the right you want to go. All right. And that was masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. So make sure you check that out. Connect with Dustin. Thank you so much for being on the show and all the value you added to all of our listeners and viewers out there. Thank you so much. And please do me a favor, leave us some feedback, tell us what you liked and what you didn't. And if you got good value out of this, which you should have, please share it with someone else. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyper Fat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyper Fat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests, improve our shows, and give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.